This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. For the first time since the trade... We heard from both Baker Mayfield and General Manager Scott Fitterer earlier. And this is the message the Panthers want out there. Between Baker and Darnold, we've got a true classic old school quarterback battle on our hands. And you don't really see this much anymore. How many quarterback battles do you think there really are across the NFL? I mean, true QB controversies, so to speak where you don't know who the starter's going to be. Usually, it's pretty easy to tell. How high did they take a quarterback in the draft? How much money did they have invested in somebody? So on and so forth. You're talking about the most important position in sports. You want to have that figured out by the time you go to training camp. And the Carolina Panthers don't. So this is kind of rare. And it's going to be one of the biggest stories I think, across the league when training camps open up. Because it's that position. It's a couple of guys who were taken top three in the same draft in 2018, and we don't know who's going to win out. Carolina isn't committed to either Baker or Sam long-term. Each are on the last year of their contracts, and the Panthers have relatively small financial commitments to both. I think combined... They're paying them $23 million, which is what? Half of what Patrick Mahomes is making next year? Half of what Deshaun Watson set to get in this new contract he received? Here was General Manager Scott Fitterer on Baker versus Darnold earlier today. This is open competition. You know, the reason why we added Baker was to make the group better as a whole. Our whole philosophy is to add competition, not just in the quarterback room, but every position. So if we see an opportunity where we can get better, where we can add a player, that it makes sense for us as a team, makes sense for us financially, makes sense for us from, uh, just from a, an addition standpoint, we're going to do that. To be clear, I think Baker has the advantage. I think Baker's going to win the job because he's a better quarterback. I think he's clearly an upgrade over Darnold by whatever measure you care to look at. I think touchdown passes do. About 40 more than Darnold's thrown in the same sample of time. And winning a playoff game on the road and winning 11 games in that same season, I think all that is relevant information. Scott also said he expects snaps to be split, quote, evenly. It to be an, quote, even split between Baker and Fitterer, even though he couched it by saying, I don't want to speak for Matt Rule. But while I think Baker has the advantage, I'm not going to act like there is a case for Sam Darnold. If you want to make the case for Darnold, we don't really know how the locker room is going to take to Baker. Usually when this type of argument's made, I roll my eyes at it. But with quarterback, I think this kind of thing matters. Darnold, he hasn't performed on the field. We get it. This is a production business. It's about what you do on the field. He understands that. His teammates understand that. But how you handle yourself can pay dividends. While he hasn't been great on the field, he has earned the respect of his teammates, it seems. Why else would Robbie Anderson put himself on the hook publicly the way that he did, standing up for Darnold publicly, saying they don't want to bring in Baker Mayfield? He doesn't want Baker Mayfield to be on the team because Sam Darnold's his quarterback. He wants to stick up for him. Christian McCaffrey said something similar, that he, he being Darnold, earned his respect by the way he's handled himself amid all the arrows that are being fired his way and the way the Panthers have been aggressively seeking more quarterbacks to add to that room. And I could continue to go on. Meanwhile, there's Baker Mayfield, who has a lot swirling around him. Just yesterday, you have the reporting saying Baker has been childish and immature with Cleveland. And it's not just anonymous reports. You've got top-level front office executives telling one of the most credible reporters in the history of this league 
Chris Mortensen earlier this year that they don't view Baker as an adult. They want to bring in somebody they feel is an adult. You know, find yourself an adult that's got 22 sexual assault allegations next door. That's what we want. We don't want Baker. We want an adult like Deshaun Watson. The Browns aren't the best run organization, which is why a change of scenery can do Baker a lot of good. It's amazing to me how little credit Baker gets for inheriting a team that hasn't won a playoff game or had not won a playoff game in 15 years when Baker arrived. I was coming off one win in two seasons, and just in a few years, Baker made them a winning football team, won 11 games, and beat their biggest rival on the road by a ton in a playoff game. And that <laughs> that's not ancient history. That's less than a couple years ago that that happened. So that's something I wanted to bring up to Baker Mayfield, and I did earlier today, and here's how that sounded. Given where Cleveland was when you arrived there and really the heights that you achieved not even a couple of years ago, how surprised are you about the way this offseason shook out? You know, I, I think, you know, that's why it was surprising for everybody. Um, pretty unexpected, but, you know, if, I, if I'm focused on the past, then I'm not doing my job and, you know, being a Carolina Panther now. So I'm, like I said, I'm grateful for my time there. Uh, yeah, shocked. I'd say it was, you know, pretty much the only way to describe it, but you roll with the punches and you got to move forward. You know, this is a, a test of adversity and how I'm going to handle it and how I can move forward and be the best teammate possible with, with our new home. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Do you feel you get enough credit for what you did with Cleveland in that playoff run a couple of years back? You know what? It, Cleveland's a special place and there's, there's teammates and friendships and bonds that uh, we all contributed to that, that special run and to, to help turn that around. There's guys that, lifelong friendships that I'll have um, that, are, that are very special to me, near and dear to Emily and I, that uh, we'll, we'll never forget about. Um, but it's I'm never a, a me guy. I'm a, I'm a team first win guy. And uh, we had we had a good time there. And, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to contribute with Carolina now. That was Baker Mayfield earlier today. You are listening to The Drive with Josh Graham. Hey, that's me on WSJS News Talk Sports for the Triad. Your thoughts welcome on Twitter at WSJS Radio. You can email us, The Drive at WSJS.com, or give us a call where the WD, executive producer of this show, taking your calls at 336-777-1600. Check this out. We're on at five. The perfect blend of sports and pop culture happens this evening at six with the Rich Eisen Show. Okay, let's get this show rolling. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Luke DeCock, award-winning columnist from the News and Observer in 15 minutes. He presented a scenario that the ACC finds itself with the original four North Carolina schools, couple of Virginia schools, and perhaps even Navy being a part of the conference and that being how the league moves forward, which we'll talk about in just a little bit, as unplausible as that might sound. I have my quarterback list that I've been working on this entire segment. I didn't share a list yet, but John in Greensboro already has issues because I don't think Lamar Jackson belongs in the top 10. And here's the thing. Coaches, players, NFL executives, according to Jeremy Fowler's story with ESPN, they seem to agree with me. Why do you disagree? Okay, first of all, I just want to say that that entire foolishness that I just heard would have never flown with Robert. It's true. So it's true. Since, since Robert <laughs> is not here to set you straight, I'm going to help you out a little bit. So, number one, the concept of building an entire team around a quarterback whose main weapon is his legs is still a fairly new concept, okay? Not as many teams have done it. It's not as well known. Give it some time, okay? We're only going into basically uncharted territory here. Number two, while the Ravens have been an incredibly solid franchise, and, you know, it has been – we've been very consistent. 
our defense is not what it once was. Most def- most championship teams have a solid top-tier defense to go with that high-powered quarterback. Lamar has had all of the pressure, had to carry everything ever since he's came on the team. And while they have done okay giving him running backs, they have struggled to keep people healthy, which is on the training staff. Let's talk about that Bills game where um, his was on his. Let's not. Can we not talk about this Bills game? Throwing, <laughs> get get John out of here. John, we're talking about defense. No, get him out of here. We're talking defense in the Bills game? No, we're not going to go into a full litigation on the Baltimore Ravens. I get it. You're a fan. You disagree with it. It's fine. I'll take, I will take the NFL executives. I'll take the players. I'll take the coaches. Over John, even though I know Robert Walsh would, you're, you're right on that. Robert Walsh would definitely try to set me straight here. In terms of support, how, how much support did Joe Burrow have when nine, he had nine sacks, nine sacks against him in a playoff game and still won, you know, and I could go down the list, but how about I tell you the top 10 that I have? And if you want to disagree with it, John and others, it's fine. I'll give you my top 10 so you know exactly what you're disagreeing with and why I left Lamar Jackson off my top 10. Let's start with number 10, Dak Prescott. I actually think there's a lot of drop off between the top nine and number 10. Dak, Lamar, I'd have no issue if Lamar was number 10 on the list. I prefer Dak because of style of play. Good, not really that great though. And he has a style of play that I think consistently you will lean on more over the styles of a Lamar Jackson or of a Kyler Murray. That's why he's number 10 on the list. Number nine. Justin Herbert. Outside of Mahomes, he might be the most gifted passer on this list. Outside of Mahomes, maybe Aaron Rodgers as well, but Rodgers is 38, 39 years old. Justin Herbert, he, you know, only trailed Rodgers and Brady in QBR this past season. He was third in that category. Now he just needs to get into the playoffs. That's why he's number nine on the list. Number eight. Matthew Stafford. Stafford was always in this conversation of being a top 10 quarterback due to his statistical outputs in Detroit. Just had to prove it in the playoffs. And now that he was surrounded with a lot of talent and great coaching, what did he do? He won the Super Bowl. Now, he had 17 interceptions, and that's a concern, which is why he's number eight on this list. But he did win a Super Bowl, so I think eight is where he belongs. Number seven. Joe Burrow. But wait, Josh, didn't Stafford just beat Burrow in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Burrow was in Cincinnati, and in his second year with the Bengals, took them to the Super Bowl and was leading that Super Bowl in the final three minutes of the game. That's the equivalent of Stafford taking the Detroit Lions to the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford never won a playoff game in Detroit. So I'll give Burrow the edge. Again, not even surrounded with a lot of talent. It's not a great organization. They don't spend a lot of money. Nine sacks in a playoff game. You still figure out a way to win on the road. Joe Burrow, slightly ahead of Matthew Stafford. Number six. Russell Wilson. Come on. He's number eight, number nine on the list that the execs put out a year ago he was top four and nobody's arguing against it nobody would have him outside of the top five last year was a rough season admittedly it was his worst season in qbr he's 33 years old got a little bit banged up but while i'm dropping him out of the top five i can't drop him much further than six with the change of scenery i think he's going to do really well in denver i really do number five deshaun watson Let's push past the allegations for a second here. We're just talking about quarterback ability. The last time we saw him play in 2020, he led the NFL in passing, and he did so without DeAndre Hopkins on his team. The year before, with Hopkins, he won a playoff game for Bill O'Brien, and it seemed like he did it on his own. He's 26 years old. His best playing days are ahead of him. Deshaun Watson in the top five number four Josh Allen 
Allen season last year felt like Cam's season in 2015. He just got unlucky in the playoffs, and he didn't win the MVP. However, Cam Newton never completed 69% of his passes. Nice. Josh Allen did. And I think that puts him in this elite class. He's 25 years old. We think he's only going to get better. That remains to be seen right now. I have him four. Number three. Tom Brady. Brady was behind Allen on the list ESPN put out. Just ask yourself this question. You have one game to win. Who do you want playing quarterback, Brady or Allen? Come on. I don't care that he's 44 because he led the league in touchdown passes and passing yards last year. If he was a little younger, there's no way he wouldn't be number one. He's the GOAT. He's number three, though, on the current list. Guys who I'd take to win this season. Number two. Patrick Mahomes. I think the top two are unassailable. He averaged nearly 300 yards passing since 2019. Now, you're talking about a quarterback that's going to have to prove something without Tyree Kill on the roster anymore. Still keep Eric Bieniemy. You still got Andy Reid. You still have a great organization behind you. I think you'll be fine. Number two on the list, Patrick Mahomes. Number one. Aaron Rodgers, no doubt. Back-to-back MVP winner, doesn't matter who his head coach is. Doesn't matter who his offensive coordinator is. Doesn't matter who his wide receivers are. I'm not worried about him losing Devontae Adams. He's proven it. He can win with whoever's next to him. And it still feels like he's at the peak of his powers. Aaron Rodgers, number one on the list. So to go through it real quick, Dak 10, Herbert 9, Stafford 8, Burrow 7, Russ 6, Deshaun Watson 5, Josh Allen 4, Brady is 3, Mahomes 2, Aaron Rodgers, number one on my list, the top quarterbacks going currently. <sighs> I feel like I did John dirty. We got Luke DeCock that's going to join us in five minutes. He got charged up before I even revealed the list because I said Lamar didn't belong in the top ten. But apparently Robert Walsh has something for us here. The former producer of this show now with us, Robert Defender Guy. Am I on the radio right now? You are. Is Josh is Josh going to come in from his honeymoon and just think that he can trample all over my quarterback? <laughs> is that what we're doing on on July twelfth? One of the hottest days in the year. We're just going to start this mess up. Yes, Robert, that's what's let me, happening. Let me break something down for y'all real quick. Lamar last year, he had his team as the number one seed in the AFC in early December, despite. Despite them being the number one most injured team in history, and he ranked number one in the NFL throwing outside the numbers, despite what all of you people that don't actually watch the Ravens games think, the guy can throw. And he was top ten in the NFL with rush yards. And after he got injured, Baltimore went 0-5. They didn't win another game. <laughs> but he's not a top ten quarterback. I love you, Robert. Hello, did he cut me off? Am I making too much sense? I love you, Robert. We got to go. All right. Love you, buddy. Talk to you later. There we go. Robert Walsh. I just feel like I felt bad that John got cut off because we had to do stuff. So we're, we're in the business of presenting both sides. That's what we're doing here. Got some candy here in the studio. These big, chewy nerds. Feeling good about yourself, aren't you? Mm-hmm. I am. I like my list. I do. Hey, Triad, this is Rich Eisen. Catch me this evening at 6 for The Rich Eisen Show. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. We heard from Baker Mayfield and Panthers GM Scott Fitterer earlier today. You'll hear some of that in just a bit because that's what we have planned this segment though we do once a week i don't really like it much because i'm a control freak i didn't know that i have to manipulate everything i possibly can on the show manipulate in a positive way yeah figure out what we're going to talk about for three hours it's kind of what happens when your name's on a show but i was challenged a few months ago hey once a week do a segment where you don't have anything planned Just improv. See what you come up with. What conversations you end up having. And we decided to name the segment Who's to Say. So if you would like to steer the ship, 
336-777-1600. The line's open. Or you can email us, thedrive at wsjs.com, at WSJS Radio. I feel naked. I feel exposed. I don't know what we're going to talk about because all I can think about right now was last night's Bachelorette episode. Yeah, how did that go for you? What's the scoop? Remember yesterday I said, watch out for a guy named Avon? I do remember that. He's a charmer. Ah. Avon's a charmer. He was my favorite from last night, even though he did not get the first impression rose, either first impression rose from the two bachelorettes on the same season, something that's never happened before, Rachel and Gabby. But this is going to be a hot mess this season. (laughs) really is. They're already having difficulty eliminating guys. So last night, usually you would eliminate 10 or a dozen guys, 32 roll up. First night, you would do so. Hmm. They eliminated three. And they decided we didn't get enough time to talk to everybody, so we want to keep people another week. Oh, goodness. Oh, it's just way too many dudes. It's kind of like a house party at Josh Graham's house and when he was in college. Too many dudes? Too many dudes. Oh, that's, not, that's not good, Josh. Way, way too many dudes at uh, East Carolina. <laughs> and they're already having difficulty eliminating guys. The three they eliminated were a pair of twins oh. and twins and a magician. A magician? This guy thought it would be a good idea. I'm going to do magic tricks. That that'll, never works. That'll win over these girls. It's kind of like if you decided to open conversation with a woman telling them about your deep fascination and love of Star Wars. Unless they were also a Star Wars nerd themselves. You wouldn't do but, that. But I wouldn't do that, that for the be, opening that act. That would not be your first impression. Just like I wouldn't open with my love of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Actually, not a terrible open. It, it, I was about to say. Like, I think Don't sleep on I that. might have won over Sarah. Bra- Actually, I know this. Ah. I had, see, we met online on one of these apps that have pictures and such. And the picture that she liked in order for us to meet for the first time years ago was a T-shirt that said, Jesus still loves me and had a uh, a windmill on it, which is a reference to a bachelorette that was slut shamed for having sex with somebody in a windmill. And she responded, I believed in a windmill and Jesus still loves me. So I had that t-shirt on that was a reference to the bachelorette and that's what Sarah Bradford likes. So actually a really good opener. Star Wars, probably not. No. But the bachelor slash bachelorette. Yeah. So they're having difficulty eliminating people and it's only going to get harder because I got a feeling Gabby, who's a former Broncos cheerleader, 31 years old, Rachel's 25 years old. I don't think she's as bright as Gabby is. Maybe it's because she hasn't doesn't have as much life experience. It just seems like they're going for different kinds of guys. So when you eliminate people, of course you have to confer and figure out who you're going to lop off. It might get difficult. It's going to be interesting as the season goes on. The conversations of who gets eliminated as you move forward especially if you have different tastes in men. That probably prevents the worst-case scenario, which would be you both like the same guy, and that's the one that you're going to go after, and what do you do in that circumstance? But eliminating people, probably going to be difficult this season of The Bachelorette as a result. Well, this is the scoop that I need because I'm going to be there next Next week. week? Next week, I'm there. We're going to have a treat. We're going to have the wine coolers out. Oh, man. Oh, we're going to have Sarah Bradford. She made some brownies last night. Yeah. But she made healthy brownies. That's what what she led with. And I ate it. She's like, it's never. I think it was like sweet potatoes were used rather than, you know. That's interesting. She led, though, with here's some healthy brownies. Will you try it? I'm, sure, I'll I'd try have, it. I would have been all over and that. And like, do you like it? I'm like, <laughs> not really. I was going to say, did you like, like it? Healthy brownies. What's the point? What? Healthy brownies. What is the point? It's like, yes, let's have some non-alcoholic beer. If you're drinking They're beer, perfect what's, example. what's the point? Brownies are supposed to be unhealthy. Yes. Now, I get some might say, well, Diet Coke 
healthier than regular Coke and you still get some of the same flavor. Yeah. Just if I'm going to drink a Coke, it's going to be a regular Coke, not a diet Coke. If I'm going to have brownies, which are inherently unhealthy, or at least are supposed to be, I'm going to have the unhealthy brownies, air quote, rather than the air quote healthy brownies. See, I'm with that because I do the whole like, because I eat pretty clean, pretty healthy mm -hmm. for the most part, but I do give myself cheat meals. That's how, I, that's how I balance it out and still get to eat some junk food. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm going all in on it. If I'm going to cheat, sure. I'm going to cheat. So I'm with you on that. What do you got for us today? <laughs> I'll tell you one. What's to say? Or who's to say? So when I went to go grab lunch earlier, okay, I wanted to get a spicy Southwest salad from Chick-fil-A. And you got me a chai tea latte. I'm I, hopping right now. Yeah, I just finished my iced coffee a minute ago, so me too. Hopping. So I went to the, I was planning to go to the Chick-fil-A on, you know, by Walmart. Out yeah, we're the, in Kernersville, yeah. so it's right down Main Street on the other side, past when you get, when you get past uh, Business 40 and you're slipping by the Starbucks, you're slipping by the mm -hmm. Firehouse and all those down there. You're going to that Chick-fil-A. What was your issue? But it's not there. What? It's not there. It's not there anymore. <laughs> That's the issue. There was no Chick Fil A. It's like rocks and rubble. Oh. It's I guess I assume they're either they've either moved That's or dramatic. they're remodeling. That's terrible. But I'm sitting here getting all hopped up and excited for this Wait salad. Wait a Hold one second. Everybody, calm down. Let's get something clear here. Are you telling me there is not a Chick Fil A in Kernersville, America anymore? Is that what you're telling me? Like, if I Google... If you Google it, it's going to show you that one because okay. I did this. Because I'm sitting there on the road in the Walmart parking lot, and I'm like, let me just see, because it might have moved. And it's telling me Chick-fil-A's there, and I'm like, no, it's not, Google. It's rocks. And oh, construction. Wow. It's like I said, they're either remodeling or there they're moved. A, as we speak to you right now, Ugh. see, this is news, talk, sports, for the triad. News alert. WSJS. Like, there are a lot of news. Yeah. That's conveyed on this radio station during the day. But we try to pass along the most important information to you as we see fit. This is what you need to take away with. If you're driving home right now, like, <laughs> and you're in the triad, and you're more specifically close to where our studio is in Kernersville, America. David. Here's what you need to know today, and the most important thing that you need to know today. As we talk to you at 4.40, Tuesday, July the 12th, there is not a Chick-fil-A in Kernersville, America. There's not a Chick-fil-A in Kernersville, America. We got to go to either Greensboro or we got to go to Winston-Salem. There is not a Kerner. There's not a Chick-fil-A in Kernersville, America. Okay. I'm getting texts right now. Uh, there is some re it is remodeling. Okay, that's I assume. good news. Yeah, and there's a new one <laughs> by Glen High School. Okay. Okay. See, see. We're getting fake news, Graham. I was <laughs> putting out fake news, just relying on my maps. But I feel a lot better now. I did do. No, it get that. There's a new one apparently, and this is just according to my buddy Desmond, who's texting me right now, former producer of the show. Des. We've heard from all the producers of the show today. Yeah. Des and Robert and you. Only one missing is Sawyer. We need to get Sawyer somehow in here. But, okay. Well, now we can. Crisis averted, apparently. Yeah. Except for my lunch. I didn't get my salad. That thing's good. It's got a little kick to it. Spicy. That's been who's to say for this week. Almost had a heart attack. The chai tea latte was good, wasn't it? Almost had a heart attack. <laughs> Not just because of the chai tea latte, but... Because of what I did. I go to that Chick-fil-A all the time, or I did. Oh, yeah. And yeah. now you're telling me I can't. The nerve. I need to go by Glen High School. I know they have that Bojangles over there, and you got the sheets over there, but I need to check out and see. I need to investigate. Also, if that is the case, I don't see it here on my maps right now. Maybe people don't know about it. So they may not. We could scratch be. every scratch everything I said. It doesn't exist. Don't go over there, particularly between eleven and noon on weekdays. Don't do that. If you were hypothetically to go over there, because I think people would rely on the maps, and if they didn't know what's over there, maybe they don't go. People would absolutely rely on the maps. That's what most people do now. Yeah. 
What Anywho. a ri- what a ridiculous segment. Yeah. Yeah. So dumb. Best news in the world, greatest entertainer, the hardest working man in show business. Ladies and gentlemen, the star of the show. Now back to the drive with Josh Graham. Darren Bott going to be here. We'll talk some baseball in about 15 minutes, answer some unusual questions as well. But let's hear more from Baker Mayfield and Panthers GM Scott Fitterer. They were both available earlier today. This has become a popular question. What jersey number is Baker going to wear? Because he wore six in college at Texas Tech and Oklahoma and obviously with the Cleveland Browns as well. But that number belongs to Johnny Hecker, the Panthers' new punter. You might remember him with the L.A. Rams. And the only other numbers that are available, given the rule change from last year, where D.J. Moore can pick a single-digit number and you know other wide receivers can take single-digit numbers as well, and DBs, J.C. Horn, for example, wearing number eight, the only two quarterback numbers available to Baker, number one, You ain't going to wear that number. And number 13, which, I don't know, maybe a Baker's dozen, not that bad. See what I did there? But Baker put all that the rest and said he will, in fact, be wearing number six. This is what he said. I I guess it's it's time to break the news. I made a a deal, did my own negotiating with Johnny. Um, Obviously, when when it comes to a four-time All-Pro, um, had to ask permission, you know, was willing to make those sacrifices. And, um, you know, I've had fun getting to know him over the phone. He seems like a great guy and a great leader. Um, you know, six is special to me, not because it, it was ever my favorite number. It was the number I was given as a walk-on at Texas Tech. And when I transferred, the people at Oklahoma thought it was my favorite number, so they just gave it to me again. And so it's just stuck with me. To me, it kind of symbolizes my story. So he's going to wear number six, Johnny Hecker has responded to this with the Chappelle show meme or gif where Chappelle is holding tightly to a large wad of cash from the bit in which he was believed to be Oprah Winfrey's baby mama. If you want to picture it in your head, it's wearing like a crown and shades, pretty funny stuff. If you go to my Twitter page, I retweeted it there at Josh Graham Radio. So that's pretty good. He's going to be wearing number six. Panther fans, go out and get your Baker jerseys now. Number six will be the number he's wearing, predictably. Scott Fitterer was asked about, hey, training camp's later this month. you got four quarterbacks on your roster. How are you going to split up snaps? More specifically, how are you going to split them up between Darnold and Baker? This is fit. You know what? I have not talked to Matt about that directly yet. So that, that'll be uh, interesting to see. Um, I think, you know, Baker is obviously going to be a little bit behind just on the playbook from where Sam was. Um, so, but I don't want to, I don't want to speculate, you know, that's probably a better question for Matt once you get to training camp, but I, I think they're going to be fairly even uh, at some point just to let the competition play out. Fairly even. He expects the snaps to be split. I later asked Scott, how comfortable are you going with three quarterbacks entering the season? And he corrected me and said, well, we've got four quarterbacks on our roster. Okay, Scott. Yeah. 53-man roster. You're going to be the only team in the NFL with four quarterbacks going into the first week. Ah, we can't pick between Darnold, Baker, P.J. Walker, and Matt Corral. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Gotcha. A lot of that's going to be figured out in training camp. And then Baker was asked probably the most important question he was put to today. His thoughts on Southern food, if there's anything he needs to try. I'm looking forward to having my first meal at Bojangles. I I haven't had that yet, but I've been told that I need to do that as soon as possible. So I'll probably probably wait a little bit. It's not exactly on the training camp diet, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Baker, we haven't known each other that long. Just met earlier today. Know you're a big fan of the show already. This is what you need to get. And if anybody else is listening and you haven't tried Bojangles, 
this is what you need to get if you're going out to Bojangles for the first time. My recommendation would be keep it relatively simple. Maybe go eight-piece chicken and four biscuits meal, which will come flanked with um, some fries as well. We can agree. You need to try the Bowberry biscuits. You need to try the fries. Did B-Dot tell you about Dot Style or whatever he calls it, the Dot Berry Biscuit? Yeah, he did. Okay. Now that sounded good. If you don't know what a Dot Berry Biscuit is, B-Dot's going to be in studio with us tomorrow. He's probably eating a Dot Berry Biscuit right now. Y- you can ask for uh, a sausage biscuit, but in, rather it being a normal biscuit, it could be a Bowberry Biscuit. So having a Bowberry Biscuit with the frosting on the inside with... A sausage piece in between that, that's pretty good. Pro tip, good stuff from B-Dot. I wouldn't tell Baker to do that for the first time, though. Like Maybe that that's, that's what the pros do. Pros like myself and WD and B-Dot. No, just get the eight-piece chicken meal, four biscuits, yeah, bowberry biscuits. Maybe just get two bowberries and two regular. You could split it up that way and get yourself some fries. Maybe some sweet tea if that's what you're into. I'm not a big sweet tea guy. Not my speed, but that's what I think you need to get, Baker, if you're going when you go to Bojangles for the first time. This is interesting. So that's a few. Those are a few comments from Scott Fitterer and Baker Mayfield. You are listening to WSGS News Sports Talk for the Triad. Darren Bott going to be here in just a little bit. Wakey Leaks, back in the news today. The Athletic published a story titled, Wakey Leaks, the scandal that should have rocked college football earlier. And it's really good. Bruce Feldman, Matt Fortuna have reported, you know, pretty thoroughly on the topic. And the big takeaway that I have, see, we all kind of know what went down with Tommy Elrod and, you know, plays being passed along to coaches, a few of them in the ACC and it hurting Wake Forest and then figuring it out because a binder was left at the walkthrough that Wake Forest had at Louisville one game, and then everything kind of unraveled at that point in 2016. We all know that story very well. Nationally, it doesn't seem like people know it as much. And what struck me about this, the quotes in this story, and and players are quoted in it. See, we never really got players talking much on the record about this subject. And Clawson, he's been pretty tight-lipped about it too. His common line is usually, it's no benefit to us to, you know, relitigate this and talk about it again. But understandably, there are still some wounds left open by WakeyLeaks that haven't gone away and aren't healed yet. And it's likely because there's a chance that could have cost Dave Clawson his job. If they didn't find that binder, he probably might not be the coach at Wake Forest. That very well could have happened. And other people could have lost their jobs too. Warren Ruggiero, among others. If you think that's dramatic, think about it this way. Wake Forest doesn't think that it was three isolated incidents. That Shane Beamer, Lonnie Galloway at the time at Louisville, and Shane Beamer at the time at Virginia Tech, and Jay Bateman at the time at Army were the only three that had this information. A Wake assistant coach was quoted in the story saying, quote, it was really bleeped up and it went on for so long. What they said, Dave Clawson was quoted back in May in a conversation he had with uh, Bruce Feldman. I saw that our kids were hurt, and it cost us games. It wasn't worth it. Go back and watch some of those films after it happened. It was more than got out there. Clawson won six games his first two years. Six. Third year is when we found out about this, towards the end of the season. Fortunately, Wake Forest won enough games that Ron Wellman wasn't going to move off of them. But how many coaches are spared after two years winning six games? Willie Taggart. He got fired in the middle of his second season. Like, we see coaches being fired sooner and sooner. If he didn't turn it around that third season amid this stuff happening to him and him being betrayed, you know, maybe the success we're seeing with Wake never happens. Maybe Clawson's fired. That's how I would think if I were him. And it would be understandable if he thought that way. It's pointed out in the story that they went from 20 points per game in that 16 season 
after this was found out, up to 35 points per game. And it's only going up from there. Another reason why I'd feel hurt, and this is not from quotes in the story, it doesn't really feel like anybody is was appropriately punished for what happened. You know, not even Tommy Elrod. In fact, Tommy Elrod still hasn't acknowledged that he did this. And a big part of the reason he says he can't speak, in fact, the only reason he says he can't speak about the subject is because he signed, apparently, an NDA with Wake Forest. And if that's true, because Wake Forest just wanted the story to go away and they didn't want people to continue to talk about it, well, I might be ticked if I was Wake Forest, the football staff, because, you know, well, I want this guy to be embarrassed. I want this guy to say what he did, and I want him to be punished for it. Well, in a way, you don't have to take m many steps further to say, if Wake Forest is paying this guy not to say these things publicly and not to speak about this subject that nearly sunk the football program, that they, they're rewarding him for doing something that nearly damaged and potentially ruined the Dave Clawson tenure at Wake Forest. And then you got coaches, you know, like Jay Bateman that was hired by Mac Brown at Carolina and Lonnie Galloway. So how punished were they? And Shane Beamer is the coach at USC. You know, the, the end of that quote I mentioned about how bleeped up it was and how long it went was this from that Wake assistant. If this involved Clemson or someplace like that, this would have been the biggest deal of all time. All of college football would have been paused to figure out what's going on. And to that point, if this happened to Saban rather than Dave Clawson, if this happened to Texas rather than Wake Forest, then none of those, co those coaches are allowed to work again. None of them. And probably rightfully so. None of them. And it would be the biggest story. And because it's Wake Forest, it, it's overlooked. It's lost in a couple of news cycles rather than being what should have been one of the biggest scandals in the history of college football. And it doesn't really feel like anybody's been appropriately punished for it. And we don't really know the widest scope of it because Tommy Elrod isn't speaking about it. Says he can't because Wake Forest is paying him not to speak about it. So if I was Wake, I'd be fired up about this. I really would. I'm glad somebody's still talking about it. And hopefully one day we'll get all the answers of how extensive this was. I want to get cheered up because that was kind of depressing. I've never been more happy to talk baseball with Darren Vaught of USA Baseball than I am today. And we'll do just that and play unusual questions next. Check this out. We're on at five. The perfect blend of sports and pop culture happens this evening at six with the Rich Eisen Show. Okay, let's get this show rolling. Now back to the drive with Josh Graham. Couple open championship notes. Nick Faldo is at the champions dinner at Royal St. Andrews site of the open championship. Just tweeted out champions dinner. Holy crap. Jack just said goodbye to the open. We're all in tears. Pretty cool sight to see Jack Nicholas, who really struggled earlier this year to have the ceremonial tee off at Augusta make his way out to Royal St. Andrews, the 150th playing of the Open Championship, and he's right there on the bridge with Tiger Woods, which is just an incredible sight to see historically those two side by side. We also got tee times and pairings for the first two rounds of the Open Championship. At 4.58 a.m., you can watch Colin Morikawa with Rory McIlroy and Xander Shoffley, who just won this past week. 509, Shane Lowry, Justin Thomas, Victor Hovland. If you just are wondering when Tiger Woods is going to tee off, manageable time. 9.59 a.m. We can do that. Tiger with uh, Mr. Fitzpatrick of the U.K., a major champion from earlier this, this year, and Max Homa all in a group together, followed by East Carolina Pirate and favorite at the Wyndham Championship, Harold Varner, who's in a group with Jordan Spieth and John Rahm. Now we welcome Darren Vaught to the show. We'll play unusual questions in a bit, but Darren, usually we chat with you on Thursday. The reason we're chatting with you today is because 
I'm fearful. I'm a broken man. I've been broken by my baseball team so many times that I'm scared to get invested in them. My Baltimore Orioles have won eight in a row. Yesterday they were off. Tonight they got the Chicago Cubs. I didn't want to risk the streak ending before the next time we chat with you. So we bumped you up. You're here today. Have they done enough for me to warrant an apology? For it to warrant an apology for me blasting you for trying to talk me into this Orioles team? Look, that that's up to you, brother. But I, they're two games out of the wild card. And we are Two and a half. damn near the all-star break. Yeah. Damn near the all-star break. Two and a half. Uh, yes. I, I haven't looked or anything, but two and a half. <laughs> it is crazy to consider. I saw Passon's tweet that said Max Scherzer's contract is worth more than the Orioles' payroll. That Oh, yeah. The, that the Angels and the White Sox, who both have, you know, won less games than the Orioles this year, have quadrupled the Orioles' payroll. Think about it. Think about it. The Angels have the two guys in the league right now that would qualify as players of a generation mm-hmm. or, or, or whatever, whatever, however you want to phrase it. They're the closest it gets, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. The Chicago White Sox were the preseason World Series or AL favorite to a lot of people coming into the season. Yeah, They've a got bunch of Winston-Salem Dash alums. Loads of talent, right? That, that again, people in your audience have seen uh, locally before they hit it big. It's incredible what the Orioles have managed because even their best guys, you know, I, I'm raving about Adley Rutschman in this, his, his rookie season. Mm-hmm. It hasn't, it hasn't clicked for him at the plate. Nah, yet. he hasn't been so good. No. And, and th- that could turn around in the second half of the season. Trey Mancini's been good. Uh, Cedric Mullins has been been good, but not at the all-star caliber he was a couple years ago. It, it could get even better is what I'm trying to say. It could get worse. It could get worse. They could fall out of contention, but it could get even better in the second half. Yeah, it could. Uh, I'm, I, I, they might trade, trade Trey Mancini and... I'm not really necessarily in that camp since it's a rental. I don't think you're going to get a lot for him anyway, and he's only 30 years old, so a guy you could feasibly bring back. The Orioles do have the number one pick in the draft as well and four top 100 prospects that haven't even been pulled up to the big squad yet. So, yeah, it does look like they turned a corner and things look great. It's just I'm not allowing my heart to be invested yet. It it seems like it's all gravy at this point. This team – it reminds me a lot of the 2005 Baltimore Orioles that you probably wouldn't care much about unless you're an Orioles fan, but they were great and hot going into the All-Star break. Do we have the Nickelback sounder with guys like uh, Miguel <laughs> Tejada? Who was... Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tejada was an MVP, okay? okay he's too right, good for this. Not, guys, not like, guys like uh, Luis Matos <laughs> and Jay Gibbons. All Nickelback teamer, yes. Jay Gibbons. This this team reminds me a lot of that. I just want them to be fun. They don't have to be good. It's kind of like being a Charlotte Hornets fan. Like the Hornets, you're not like the 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 heyday of the Charlotte Hornets in the '90s with Grandmama and all them boys. Uh, they got into the second round once. Yeah, just be fun. And the Orioles, they're being fun. And going into the season, the preseason over under was 61 and a half games. They've, ex- I mean, they're at 43 and we're not even at the all-star break yet, but we're not just going to talk about my team, Darren Bob. You're here from USA baseball. You know him as well. High point basketball, ESPN plus Darren Vaught does quite a bit. He gets around. Let's uh, talk about the home run derby. Pete Alonso going to go for the three Pete, which I don't think has ever happened. We'll see. No. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's a big storyline. And who's he going to be going up against? Well, one of the guys in his final season, dare I say shades of Cal Ripken 20 years ago or so, Albert Pujols, who I didn't know was still in the league going until like like a month ago, uh, okay. is a Cardinal. He's back with the Cardinals. That's good. That's fun. It was a big deal. He went back to the Cardinals. Yeah, I know. Did you it, not know it's, that? it's a big deal. I didn't on, know it. Josh. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm willing to admit what I don't know, but it's cool. 
that he is in another All-Star game, and it's his final season, and he's going to be in the Home Run Derby, I think, for the third time. A that's going to be a pretty cool storyline. Looking at pool holes in a sport where legacy is, you know, everything. When you look at numbers that really mean something and stats that are very specific uh, and, 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 and they matter so much to fans generationally and how they hold up, Pujols' numbers are incredible. How do you put Pujols' career into context when you talk about some of the best players we've seen in this generation? Well, I mean, he, he's going to finish his career not quite a 300 batting average, which is something that, you know, I, I, we don't necessarily care as much about now as we did toward the beginning of his career. Uh, he's sitting at 684 home runs. I mean, he's got a chance to hit 700 before it's all all said and done. Uh, that alone, he's he's well surpassed 3,000 hits. I think it's it's so appropriate and so fitting that Major League Baseball has adjusted its all-star rules so that it can select legends like Pujols and Miguel Cabrera, who is going to be in the all-star game as well, despite, you know, Pujols has got a handful of home runs this year. He's not, he's not making the all-star game otherwise. I'd like the Ripken comparison because this feels a lot like that. And Look, he still lights it up in BP. This is a guy who could win the home run derby, which is a it's a it's a it's a frivolous event. It doesn't mean anything, but damn, it would be cool, right? Uh, it would be very cool to see to see Albert do that because again, he, he's he is to a generation prior what Mike Trout has been the past 10, 12 years. Uh, they're they're has not been anyone better through the span of, of a, like a 10 year stretch, except for maybe Mike Trout. Um, he's, it, it, he's a top five, top 10 hitter of all time. Yeah. I, I don't think that's unfair to say. And that is incredible praise. And I think the numbers back that up. Darren Vaught's with us every week. Darren Vaught joins us. We play unusual questions with him this week. No exception. But last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question, and it's okay. It's time for Unusual Questions with Josh Graham. Okay, Darren. I was on my honeymoon the last couple of weeks. It's been a while since we've done this. Let's get some of the cobwebs off here. In Turks and Caicos, they charge you for water. Like you go to restaurants, and they charge you for water. Okay. If you had to pay for water when you go to various restaurants, fast food, out to eat, you name it, how often would you pay for water? As often as I go. I'm not the type. I know some people would, in order to justify the cost they would get a soda or something mm -hmm. instead. Mm -hmm. If you were going to pay the same price or close to it, yeah. somebody would just be like, all right, well, I'm going to get more bang for my buck and get something besides water to drink. That's not going to be me. By I, the I way, would... it is an example of how great our country is that we go to restaurants and, oh, yeah, you want water? Here it is for free. Here's your water. So sometimes. Have as much as you want free. It, it depends. It depends. It's not always the case. Where? Like, you go to a restaurant, Don't they bring you places, a, glass, well, some, a glass of water. Like, when you sit down, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, a sit-in. Some fast food places, wouldn't they charge you for the cup? Oh. I think some do that. Yeah. I would love to know yeah. which fast food place does that. I don't know. I haven't encountered I know, that. I know it, it, doesn't it is surprise the case. Me. But, um, so anyways, no. I mean, yeah, it, I, would, I would continue to drink water because I understand the benefit of, of drinking. Oh, don't get me wrong. Water. I drink a lot of water. Like I, I'm the guy who buys. Probably not great for the environment to do that. Do so, but I get the 36 uh, water bottle pack Costco, and I'm it's terrible for every the day. And then I refill the water bottle every single day, all throughout the day. It's all I really drink. But if I had to go out to eat, and I do go out to eat, and I had to pay for the water, I probably wouldn't pay for the water. 
Will Dalton. Gotta hydrate. How about you? Do you? How often are you paying for water if you had to pay in order to get water? Not often. I mean, see, I'm the same way. I see. I think I think if you're about it and you're about drinking water with your meals, you just gotta you, you gotta factor it in as an assumed cost. Now, th- this does change too if where you are, that's a normal thing. Like someone yes. who grows up in Turks and Caicos, it's not it, it, it's not even a question to sure. somebody like that because they've always paid or or wherever else that might be the case. What's your unusual question, WD? So. My- my question, what is a weird habit that you either have had in your life or still currently have when it comes to, like, eating your food? Oh, food habits? Yes. I, I was going to say another weird habit that I've never shared on the air that... Go for it. I, All right, that's my unusual question. What is that other weird habit that you've never shared on the air? <laughs> I, every, every time I have in my alarm ends in a seven. My favorite number is seven. I don't wake up at seven o'clock a.m. I wake up at seven o seven or six fifty seven. That is interesting. That's it, what I do. How did that begin? No idea. Hmm. You just—is that your that, favorite number? Seven? seven is. Yeah. That that reminds me of I when I used to work at a gym, and we would punch in, and the system that we would use to punch in and get paid and, and clock in and out, it went on fifteen minute increments. Right, so if you were if you were punched in for at least eight of the fifteen minutes of a given time slot, you got paid for it. So we would intentionally clock in for like a seven o'clock shift at seven o seven, because then we're technically not late and we still get paid for that fifteen minutes. Pretty good. That's not what this is about at all. And by the way, I just deleted thirty different alarms in my phone Gosh, because i don't why do you have 30 alarms see i no 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 i'm saying it's just it's unused ones that oh. are just still there that were random ones hey i'm gonna get a power nap on this saturday and i want to wake up at this time i'm not gonna delete it afterwards but i'm also not gonna make it a reoccurring alarm are you a bad snoozer either one or, or, i never snooze okay no i um that's become tricky since by the I way no i'm gonna cut i'm gonna cut time. you off darren no that's Go a ahead. follow-up unusual question it you is don't get Follow-up unusual questions. Darren Vaught, what's your unusual question? <laughs> wow. Uh, hold on. Did we talk about Wills? No, we didn't. Oh, I got cut it? off because I... Well, you were asking was... more questions. <laughs> no, it was the food habit. Oh, I followed up with... I wanted to know what you were alluding to when you right. said... Right. What is your food habit, here. WD? So, so my food habit... I used to always... We've been talking a lot about biscuits today with mm-hmm. Bojangles and everything. Sure. So I always used to get Biscuitville. Growing up, mm-hmm. every Saturday morning, my dad would go out and get some biscuit bill, and I always would get the ultimate sausage biscuit. So, a weird habit that I had once I got like halfway through, because you gotta remember there's like sausage, bacon, eggs, all on this thing, and I also would put honey on it. Good. Get to the weird part. <laughs> <laughs> that so anyway, normal. I would get halfway through it. And I would, like, take the biscuit apart and eat every individual piece. Like, oh, okay. all right, now I got my bacon. Now I got my piece of sausage. Yeah. Now I got this biscuit. It's not that bad. It's not- so it's like half It's half breakfast biscuit and yes. then half grandma's pancake breakfast Basically. style. You just put it out on a styrofoam I, plate or whatever. I think you might be onto something there. Darren, what's your unusual question? Um... What's Twitter like today? Who's who's the st- I'm I'm two days into a social media sabbatical. Hey, so. I, I thought you I were debating a, it. I did about a week off, and um, yeah, I mean, feel pretty I'm good. Try- I, I don't really miss. I didn't really miss it too much. But, so my uh, my main thing is is gonna be using it like it's my news feed. It's one thing to be yeah. on there and just sort of doom scrolling, but I got to figure out how to how to like know things that are happening it's true not having it on my phone i didn't know rudy gobert got traded until will told me on air yesterday and (laughs) i didn't know a lot of things like there's some carolina hurricanes related drama that i had no clue friends of mine were texting me in relation to this drama 
that I don't care to really get into much on the air that I didn't understand the jokes of because I'm not on Twitter or I didn't right. understand what people were alluding to. And there were many instances while I was gone, people making jokes and references to things that were happening that I have no idea what they're talking about. Because to your point, I use it. That's where I, you follow the right people. You, you uh, procure, you put together a, uh, you know, a, a list of people that you follow and that becomes your newsfeed. Yeah. So anyways, what's it like today? Who's the star? Uh, Baker Mayfield, going back to Bojangles, said that uh, he's looking forward to eating Bojangles for the first time. There you go. Like, I'm looking at that. It's got like nice. uh, 100 okay. retweets. That's, that's that's subtle. My story. Yeah. Very subtle. Darren Vaught, you're a subtle guy. Appreciate you spending the time. And uh, I'll see you in Charlotte next week. ACC kickoff will be getting together. That's it. It's that's a thing again. It's going to happen again. Exciting stuff. That's Darren Vaught on Twitter at Darren Vaught. Shoot him a follow.